We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to another episode of Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast where Captain is King, Marissa is Queen, and I am your host, Bethany Anyfinger. Episode 152, can't believe it's 152 episodes, is brought to you by Ramping Crew Patreon members. Thank you. Welcome back, Mo and Abby from the Book Life Podcast. Hi. Well, thank you. I'm so glad we're back once again. I honestly can't remember when it was that you were on last. I want to say we did Cursed or Gilded together, right? Because there's like a whole... Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. a conversation about like how long until you actually know that you're pregnant. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, it's been two days, but okay. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe there was that psychic link and that's why she just knew. <laughs> I Surely that makes total sense. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm logistics. Logistics always trip me up. <laughs> oh, I am entirely certain we will probably be back together when that second book comes out later this oh, year. I'm so excited for everybody to read it. Um, I am curious. So I did get gilded, gilded. Wow. Um, signed. Have you guys found like curse signed? Like any offerings get curse signed anywhere to buy? No, no. but there. She has a book tour coming up, and I know sometimes the book tour will include signed copies. Like, if you go to their virtual event online and you order their book, then then you'll get it. But I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of it is virtual this year since we're actually allowed to be out in the world. Okay. Well, I need, um, like, you know, when is that tour going to be? always order one from her local bookstore like she usually will include signed ones there but that's true because i've ordered i've ordered signed copies uh for giveaways before from my local store like i'm just saying it's not right that i have a signed copy of the first one i don't have a signed copy of the second one i need to make this like an equal partnership right you know I mean, the fairy book cursed will have a signed. It'll be signed if you if you get it. <laughs> um, I am in, I'm entirely sure I'm on that wait list. I am entirely sure I I got so far behind <laughs> getting on that that I will maybe be like fifty when I get onto it. Really? I I'm I know I signed up and I keep waiting anxiously for them to has tell me. Has it been me. longer than three months? I don't know. If it's I'm, been longer than three months, email them and they'll they'll talk to you. Because I was okay. on there for like nine months and I had a friend who was like, oh, I only had to wait two months. And I emailed them and was like, WTF. And they put me on there immediately. Oh, so okay. Because I swear. Within three months, I would, you can go to their website that have like a contact us. And I would just, okay. I would just contact them. Because I swear there, there was something that made me sign up and I've been like, am I ever going to? Am I okay? I I have money. I have money for books. <laughs> Please take my money. <laughs> so it's been a while since you guys have been on the podcast, but just in case nobody listened to all of the episodes we already did together, tell everyone about the Book Life podcast and uh, introduce yourselves. 
All right. Well, I'm Abby, and um, we do an episode every other week. Mostly we focus on sci-fi, fantasy, some historical fiction, because um, those are just like our wheelhouses. <laughs> uh, first half of every episode is always spoiler-free. We talk about uh, just general overview, summary of characters and what the book's about, just to like give people a preview. And then the second half, we do the deep dive and we tell you we're going to spoil everything. And, and then we really do spoil everything. I'm pretty sure. So there's an episode coming up. Um, I won't say the title and give it away too much, but it's short. And it's short because I was like, I have literally nothing I want to say about this book because it was so neutral. And then like we got to the second half. I'm like, listen, here's I'm, like, <laughs> I'm ready. Listen. <laughs> Sometimes it happens. Sometimes our first half is like super duper short. And we've been trying to be a little bit better about adding some fun facts and be more um you know like high level and sometimes we have to get into it and i'm like 45 minutes later and i'm like and that is how i felt about that book i know some people because a lot of the podcasts i know do first half spoiler free first half or second half with spoilers i know some of them at the end of the spoiler at the end of the spoiler free part they will um recommend like other books by that author or books that are similar Oh, I like so that. That would be like a good five minute, ten minute segment to include if you wanted to. Some, I don't know. Sometimes I just need to talk about the book because, like, Abby is my book person. Obviously, I'm Mo. I'm the other half of the Book Life podcast. And partially, we started this beautiful podcast because we're like, wow, I miss talking to you. I miss talking too about books. Oh, and there was a pandemic and we weren't supposed to go hang out and socialize. So, mm-hmm. so we made it a hobby, a very fun time assuming hobby you know (laughs) it's surprisingly time consuming I don't think people who don't have podcasts realize that they're like you just you just talk for like an hour right and it's like but I also have like a patreon so I spend just hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on this every week uh, something related but it's a labor of love because I actually find a lot of joy from doing the podcast and then I've made a lot of really great friends such as yourselves um, so it's work, but it's a labor of love. Yes. As I try to entice you with library openings in my area, I'm like, why don't you come here? And you're like, it's not going to work like that. I've been looking for a job for almost a year and I'm starting to think my master's degree, I'm starting to wonder if I can get a refund on my master's degree. Actually, mm, That's awful. But because I'm married to someone in the military, I can't move. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard part. Not until... Yeah, and that sucks because I know I think you said he wants he's a career boy, right? Yes. Yeah, so you gotta wait until you gotta hope he nine get, years. Yeah. So you gotta hope he can get something that works. I'm gonna tell you, uh, just so you know, Spencer Road Library in St. Charles um, County, Missouri. Uh, if you can get in there with your degree, oh man, they bring in so many authors like them. Like, that would oh. be nice. Uh, I just met Frederick Bachman last night. Do you guys know who he is? Oh, that's cool. And he like never tours in the U.S. And he came mm-hmm. to this library, and I was just like, "Take my money, give me the book." Haven't read that trilogy. I don't care. It's Frederick Bachman. <laughs> Here I go. That's so funny. Yeah, she told me she was there, and I'm like, "Oh, why am I so far away?" Because I was not at my house. <laughs> Yeah. I, it's always like um, 
it's always like that, right? That you miss like one or two things here and there. And it's kind of a bummer because uh, I feel like it's one of those opportunities where it's like, if I had money, I would get to have this experience. But because I don't have money, I can't have this experience. And that feels really unfair. Mm-hmm. I know. I was one of my my all-time favorite author I've always loved. The person who got me into fantasies, Mercedes Lackey. <gasps> Love Mercedes Lackey. I know. <laughs> she is my girl. My first fantasy novel ever was Magic's Pawn. Let me tell you what a mm-hmm. book for you to jump into. But I love that entire series. And she was at Dragon Con, and I was like, oh, my God. I don't, I don't want to go to Atlanta. I don't need to go to a convention. But I... I'm like, can I get there? Can I do make this happen? I'm like, no, no. Because we're going to Disney this year instead for oh, our big God. trip. I know. There's, there's, wait, which Disney? Oh, Disney World. Is that the one in Florida? It sure is. Okay. I honestly, I never, I get all, I get all mixed up so much. Um, but I was going to say, if you're going to the one in California, I now live in Las Vegas. So, like, I could come <laughs> and meet you and we could go together. <laughs> I know. I've never so- been. So close, yeah. So far, no. no. <laughs> I know. Wrong side of the country. Wrong, wrong way. <laughs> wrong way. So let's. Uh, speaking of libraries and favorite authors, let's talk about what you are currently reading. Okay, so I just was texting Abby because she's telling me I need to read Golden Enclaves by Naomi Novik, which I know I do. It came up on my um, Libro.fm account, and I know I need to read it. However, <laughs> I am eight hours <laughs> into the new Stephen King novel fairy tale, and it is a 24 and a half hour book right now, and... I'm not a Stephen King girl. My husband, that's like his favorite author. Like he's he's reading The Bodies, which is what Stand By Me, the movie is based off of. If you guys ever seen it, it's a kid's movie from the 90s. He loves it. Um, and I am like, I don't know about this, but I did enjoy The Dark Tower. Um, I read the first one with my husband. We're going to listen to the second one on the way to Florida because that's what we, we do. When we road trip, we have a book we listen to together because we are book nerds. And I do that too. I'll That's see. how he listened to the entire Lunar Chronicles. Perfect. Oh, I love that. That's perfect. And yeah, I fairy tale came out. And by the way, Abby, that's what the book club picked that you don't know about because probably no one told you. And I'm really sorry about that. But we picked to read Fairy Tale by Stephen King. Okay. Well, I'm skipping this month. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> long, mind you. Um. Yeah, and I'm reading. I just started, I don't know if you guys know Genevieve Cogman. I think I'm reading like her fifth book in the Invisible Library series I just started. <sighs> Good series. I know. Um, I have another one called Meet Me at the Museum sitting next to my bedside. I mean, we're reading Think Again by Adam Grant at work, which is a organizational psychiatrist. Um, amazing book. And of course, I'm reading a Suzuki ped- pedagogy book for my <laughs> children's Suzuki program. And I think I'm probably reading something else somewhere. But that's literally, I have been cycling through these six books reading. Maybe, or five. Maybe that, <laughs> it's only five. I don't know. Or six. Yeah, that's like most, you know, like most said, I am, uh, I'm reading The Golden Enclaves right now. I'm like 75% of the way through and I'm freaking out because stuff is happening and I have no one to talk to about it and like come on Mo oh oh Abby talk to our friend Kim she's reading it right now oh okay I'll talk to Kim okay 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 (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I'm also reading. Um, you guys have uh, our Patreon members. I would strongly recommend going to the Discord because um, there's like, I don't know, like 70 people on my Patreon. Somebody might have read it. There's a whole like book recommendation and discussion channel. So I would go to that mm. and see if anybody's read it. Oh, man. That up. See, here's the problem with the Patreon. I get stuck in like the animal like people post their animals i'm like oh oh, i know right especially jordan's horses i'm like oh. yes i know i love so yeah just random endorsement yes we are podcast hosts and we like to collaborate but we also are patreons because it's like an awesome patreon to be part of so we'd recommend <laughs> not endorse or anything we highly do like it yay yeah i'm also reading uh Angels of the Resistance by Noel Salazar. It doesn't actually come out until November 29th, but we are planning to um, interview her on the podcast. And so she sent us an early copy signed and I finally got it from Mo and I'm reading it now and loving it. It's so good. Um, It's historical fiction. Love historical fiction. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm also reading Imprudence by Gail Carriger. It's the second in the series, uh, Steampunk. Oh, I haven't done Steampunk in forever. I love Steampunk. Mm-hmm. Gail Carriger is my favorite Steampunk. Ago, and then like, I just kind of um, got burnt out. So I need to revisit. Yeah, she's my favorite Steampunk author. Okay, so what am I reading? What I've been doing, because I've been reading nonstop since I'm unemployed, so what I've been doing is, this is what I've been reading in between episodes. So I've read um, The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood, which was really good. You guys, I loved it so much. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I also read Under One Roof by Allie Hazelwood and Stuck With You by Allie Hazelwood finished reading a reread of the Vampire Academy series. It's as amazing as it was the first five times I read it. (laughs) I'm doing a reread of the Bloodline series because you can't read Vampire Academy and not read Bloodlines. (laughs) I also just finished When Life Gives You Vampires by Gloria Duke, which is, if you like vampires and you like rom-coms, like I highly recommend. It's so much fun. Um, I just finished Did Not Finish by Nicola Marsh, which is a rom-com with a recluse uh, enemies to lovers stranded winter holiday type trope thing. It's it's pretty good. I would say like three out of five on that one. Um, I also, if you're listening to this episode, you probably just listened to my Robin Rowe episode because I'm recording out of order, but I currently <laughs> have a copy of Dark Room Etiquette by Robin Rowe. Two things about this book. One, it is phenomenal. I do not do thrillers, and there's a reason for it, which we'll get into in a second. And this is incredible. It might actually push me into reading thrillers. Um, I have a, I'm terrified of being trapped. It is one of my biggest fears, and I've been afraid of being kidnapped since I was told at like two years old that being kidnapped is bad. And this story is about a young boy who gets kidnapped. So. I have nonstop anxiety reading it. There are definitely times when I like close the book and I like go to my dog and demand a hug because I'm feeling so like insecure and overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but it is still amazing. 
Um, and I'm recording an interview with the author next week, which will actually come out before this episode. So hopefully past Bethany did a good job. I'm sure yeah. she did. Thank you. I also <laughs> just watched the Vampire Academy series. They just started a new series on Peacock. They've released the first five episodes. You know how they change everything <laughs> when a book gets turned into a movie or a TV show? Yeah. Uh, they changed a lot, but I understand a lot of the changes they made. They have to appeal to a new generation. They have to appeal to people who, um, you know, maybe haven't read the books, but they also have to appeal to people who did read the books. Here in my brain, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if Charmed had vampires and was written by the people who made Pretty Little Liars. And I don't hmm. mind it. I don't mind it. That's an interesting combination. Well, I don't really know how else to explain it. <laughs> but that's what I felt watching it, you know? Uh, you know, like when you watch How I Met Your Mother and you're like, oh, this is like Friends and Seinfeld. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind yeah. of like that. Like watching it, I was like, this is kind of like if Charmed was written by the people that did Pretty Little Liars and had vampires. So okay. uh, if you Charmed, Pretty Little Liars and or vampires, uh, it's really good. I highly recommend it. But you really should read the books. <laughs> I'm trying to remember vampire. There's another bit. Va- What's the other one that had the immortals or the originals part of it? Was that Vampire Diaries? Maybe, but I haven't read it, so I don't know. I I can't keep up with all of these vampire things. So my vampire experience was, for the longest time, Buffy and the Lost Boys, which gave me nightmares for a really long time, because I watched it when I was, like, seven. Um, and then when Twilight came, the movie came out, I read the book. And then uh, Vampire Academy was uh, Amanda from Fictional Hangover Podcast convinced me to read it and now I'm like obsessed with it and I think it's the best vampire ever 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 <laughs> and, um, after that what did I did I did read the Crave series which I thought was really good like like not as good as Vampire Academy because like what is but still <laughs> like really good like somewhere in between Twilight and Vampire Academy is Crave oh my gosh <laughs> I've not read these. So I kind of like have the only vampire books that I enjoy is going to be like Patricia Briggs, um, Mercy Thompson series. And I'm like, I'm like, wonder if I could handle Vampire Academy. I'm like, maybe high school Mo would like this. I'm like, does adult Mo like Well, vampires? the problem is the name, right? The name makes it sound like it's Hogwarts for vampires. But the series itself, other than like rumors being annoying when you're a teenager i don't think it has enough high school vibes that it's like okay we get it y'all are 17 mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah well i mean um the naomi um novick series we're reading the scalamance series mm-hmm. like i mean they're in high school ish kind of a high school is trying to kill you but high school nonetheless <laughs> and um i'm like i i just if it's too young adult and it's too drama like, I, I struggle these days where I'm just like, like I just, I just remember reading Gilded and reading I can't remember the main character saying right now, just thinking hot surreal. I was like, girl, you, you gotta you gotta be a little bit smarter. You you gotta figure this out at this point. 
I think that's what I feel with a lot of young adult books, and then I have to, like, remind myself that they're 16. I know, but, I mean, mean, it's okay. I mean, like I said, like a cinder. She's smart. She's got this. Like, totally, totally. I I do love this series. I think The Lunar Chronicles is, like, one of the epitome of YA novels that you possibly could read. For sure. 100%. And it does a good job of being, like, a dramatic storyline without it being, like, I don't know, here for the drama. Mm -hmm. I don't remember there being a lot of drama. I mean, it's pretty dramatic. But it's more like life and death drama, not... Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not here for the drama. It's not, like, drama for the sake of, like, like yeah, You know what I mean? Um, But, yeah, there's definitely drama. I mean... I guess I'm okay with like the world's ending, people are dying, we better save people versus uh he said, she said, and getting with yeah. somebody. I'm I'm uh, yeah, not not cool with that drama. <laughs> you should ask Abby about how much I love romance novels and how <laughs> targeted they're like spicy rom or spicy novels for your reading pleasure. I'm like, guys, have I ever once clicked on a spicy novel ever? No, I, don't, I like romance, but I don't like spicy. So honestly, if it has spicy, I just skip it. There's if one know, book. I'll just fast forward until it's over. If it's a, you know, paper, I'll just turn the page until I don't see those words anymore. Because <laughs> okay, like I'm married, right? So let's not pretend that I'm super innocent, but. I just get so cringy, like, experiencing that through a book that I'm just like, nope, skip, 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 skip. (laughs) There's one book that Mo keeps, like, bringing up because for some reason it keeps, like, catching her attention. I forget what book it is. Oh, uh, Every time uh, she shows it to me, I'm like, no, you don't want to read that. I am telling you, you don't want to read it. Is it? A, a court of rose and thorns, or thorns and oh, roses. Oh, court of thorns and roses. That's yeah. nothing. It's it's so easy to skip that. It's like two or three pages here and two or three pages there. I'm talking about books like the Love Hypothesis, which I love, but has like three chapters in a row of like Ooh. grown up content. That's a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot. But a court of thorns and roses. I genuinely that one is not bad. You could literally just two or three pages at a time skip it, and it would be fine. Oh, man. That's, that's my personal. That's only because, like, I've read other ones, and I'm like, Jesus, we get it. They did stuff. Move on. Move on. Move on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I definitely have fair. a... Hmm? Oh, go go for it. Oh, to be fair, I haven't read A Court of Thorns and Roses. I have no intention of ever doing so. <laughs> I just know what I've seen of people talking about it, and I'm like, right. no, that's nothing that Mo I needs think- to read. I think the reason people discuss it so much is because it's considered a young adult novel. And from a librarian standpoint, that means nothing. But some people have, they're uncomfortable with adult content being in a young adult novel. So I think the reason it gets a lot of controversy isn't like how much or how graphic, it's just that it's there to begin with. That's interesting because I feel like that's a double standard. Like, it is 100% like, a double it's like not that I'm like, yes, teenagers are all having sex in high school, but I'm also like, but 
it, it's a thing where you're kind of like, it's kind of a, you know, it can happen. Like, it's not like you can't gloss over it. I don't know. I mean, I think that, like, you don't have to go into detail and stuff like that. Yes. I love when the room goes you know, dark. Like, like, like Marissa did in Gilded, for example. Um, but I think also people have to take into consideration that, unfortunately, the young adult category, I say category because I don't think it's a genre, but that's a librarian thing. Hmm, okay. um, the young adult category is from ages like 12 to 18. 18 year olds are going to be having different experiences than 12 year olds. And they're going to have different levels of comfortability when reading uh, books and stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like this could be like a really good, like a uh, higher level discussion. I'm like, and let us discuss the genres and how they are all separated yes. in categories. Well, <laughs> because okay, so young adult is actually an age group, not a genre. Oh. That would be like saying that every fiction book ever written was adult. True. This is all adult. This is all one genre and it's adult. No, there's sci-fi, there's fantasy, there's dystopia, there's romance. It's all interconnected. The only thing that makes a young adult book a young adult book is the age of the main protagonist and the age of your target audience. Man, and even like my Stephen King novel for um, it's fairy tale. It is. I don't think it would be categorized as a young adult, even though my main character is seventeen years old, a senior in high school. Why do you categorize it as young adult? I think it's going to go into the adult. Well, because for one, it's Stephen King. So I feel like it's going to go into adult categories very soon. I, I'm, I'm merely 20% into the book, but we're going to start getting to probably Stephen King's usual death and gore kind of thing very soon. See, but I don't think that that should mean that teenagers aren't allowed to read it. Oh, no. I read Stephen King novels as a teenager. So I would still put that in young adult. If the main protagonist is a young adult and the target audience is young adult, then it's young adult no matter who wrote it. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure if, if the target audience is young adult or not. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the main character is in high school, right? Yeah, he is. Mm, and it's about fairy tales? Kind of. That feels young adult to me. Because fairy tale adaptations is like such a young adult thing. Like it's yeah. huge in the young adult area. Very true. Yeah. See, what's the name it, of this book? It's fairy tale. Yeah. Now I'm hunting um the book down so I can see what people categorize it as. Library of Congress categorized it as young adult thriller mystery. Ooh. Okay. So young adult. No wonder I like it better then because there's so much less. I don't know if you guys ever read Stephen King, but he's quite. Uh, liberal with all of his cussing <laughs> in a lot of the books and very coarse and crass. And this is not. This is a wonderfully um, told story so far. I think what's interesting, welcome back to librarian podcast. I think what's interesting is a librarian's perspective of a genre versus like a publisher's perspective of a genre versus like a reader's perspective of a genre because like, as a librarian, I'm not really entitled to have an opinion on what other people are allowed to read, right? Like, there's the whole Library of Congress Bill of Rights for librarians that puts a lot of emphasis on uh, anti-censorship, which is why banned books are such a big deal, because librarians want people to have uh, easy access to the same things that everyone has access to. 
and that includes young adults. And so I think that like when a young adult book gets targeted as an adult book, it's one of two things. It's like one of a few things. It's one, publishers think that because of that author mostly doing adult work like Stephen King, um, that it wouldn't sell as well or appeal to younger audience. So they wouldn't put it in young adult for marketing purposes. Librarians may do the same thing because people who read Stephen King are going to look for Stephen King and they want patrons to be able to find books that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. That's a good thought. I said, yeah. hmm, oh, lots of things to think about. No, de- definitely. I've never thought that way about it. I love that. So our first fan art is from S-O-L-E-I-L, Sunny on Tumblr. It is a graphic of Cinder under the water with her error message, liquid immersion detected, shutting down power supply in three, dot, dot, dot. What do you guys think? Oh, I love it. I mean, I love this, like, entire, like, when that happens, I know exactly the moment. It's just, ooh, gives me chills. It does. I love the red glow that's at the back of her neck. Yes. That is so interesting. I like the concept that, like, if you're if you're looking at this art when you're listening to this episode, it is so perfectly simple yet detailed. Look at her hands, like the way her knuckles are bent and shaped, and then the same with like her nose, her eyes, and her mouth, the way that they're downcast, like she's start like she's unconscious but not asleep, like the amount of detail that went into tiny things like that I think are so impressive because the rest of the image is very simple and very basic and so I think it draws your focus to her hands and her head and and the red light Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a really good job on this one yeah so this second one is by KY Artista on Instagram it's it takes some liberties, okay? <laughs> I'm looking at it and I'm like, interesting, but yeah. So this is an, also a graphic of Cinder in the lake. In this one, she's wearing a dress. Uh, it looks like the artist wanted to um, sort of share a parallel of if this were Cinder at the ball that got shoved into the water at the same time, because that's how Lavana had portrayed her last to Kai. Uh, if I'm explaining that wrong, Kiara, please let me know. Um, but I still think it's an amazing graphic. Mm-hmm. I feel like this one definitely leaned more towards artistry over actually what happened in the book. Yes. Yeah, but it's beautiful to look at. I love that um, she's turned to the side so you can see her like full leg. Yes, and her and her. Um her hair the way that her hair is like flipped upside down and floating up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i also find it very interesting like just actually looking between the two pictures and looking at the way each hand is kind of clawed that way and kind of bent because yeah. it's her robotic hand you're just kind of like ooh. so it would be like somewhat stiff mm-hmm. yeah all that water i mean like obviously if you drop your phone in the water and you're in the toilet you know you should dump it real quick into a bag of rice and that's the entire parallel i always think about when it comes to this (laughs) (laughs) and we put her on rice 
I love it though because I I haven't dropped it in a toilet, but I dropped it in a puddle once, and rice works on an iPhone, or at least it did like eight years ago when this happened. <laughs> I can't say if it would still work now. Not endorsing now. <laughs> Big thank you. And you can follow that artist on Instagram. Our last one is so much fun. It is from Crazy Cookies, spelled with two Zs on DeviantArt. It is the scene where Thorne punches Jason in the face and then gives him a hug. One of my favorite scenes of the whole series. My husband's favorite scene in the whole series. We have like very simple graphics and I love the like anime feel to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I love like... It just feels like one of those quick doodles when you've done, like, in your notebook during class. And you're like, perfect. Yes. Yes, it's beautiful. I love it so much. And when I saw it, it made me so happy just looking at it. I love that Jason's hand is, like, flinging up over his head in that first panel. (laughs) I love his face. You can see, like, like the half circle on his face indicating, like, that that's where he got hit. Uh (laughs) Love it. So big thank you to all three of those artists for letting me share their work. And you can find it on the Prince Kai Fan Pod website and Instagram. And if you would like to share your artwork, you can email me at princekaifanpod at gmail.com. Last week, Patreon members got to vote on chapter titles. Chapter 51 was a tie. 11 votes for Big Bad Wolf by In This Moment and 11 votes for I Did Something Bad by Taylor Swift. Chapter 52 is titled Bad Blood by Taylor Swift. That one won. Oh, <laughs> I, I do appreciate that the Patreon are all Swifties. Like, okay. I, I love it. Them are. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a few that are like, okay, we get it. Um, no, no. No, you don't get have it. to like, admit that it, she's written a lot. She has. She she covers, like, it's like the Beatles. Like, you can just whip out any Beatle title and you're pretty much good to go. Cause I think it was, um, I want to say it was Mo, a different Mo. I want to say it was Mo from MNK Talk YA who said you could probably do nothing but Taylor Swift songs and, and you would still have enough. Mm-hmm. And I think she would have been right. We haven't done that, but a, a very large portion of them are. And honestly, at least half the time, it's not even me that was like picking a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about chapter 53. Last week, we left off with Cinder on trial at the palace. And in order to avoid getting captured, arrested, tortured, uh, executed, all of that, she decided to jump into the lake from four stories up. Because why not? This week... Cinder is, this takes place like literally right after she jumps in the water. We see her trying desperately to swim. We see her cyborg brain completely shutting down. And then miraculously, she is saved by uh, her friends who are just randomly there. I'm suddenly wondering about the logistics of, can you actually survive falling four stories into water? Yes. Because at a certain point, (laughs) at a certain point, like a whole like 10 minutes on on this, because we were both like, how high is four stories? So four stories is about 50 feet. And the world record is 192. Wow. I just know like at a certain point, water becomes basically like concrete. Concrete. Yeah. So I was like, is that still within the limit? I'm not sure. So Again, this I is like <laughs> what I think of in my brain is if anybody has seen the film, um, The Dark Knight, 
mm-hmm. for Batman movie. Yes. Um, there's the scene where he's holding a bad guy on top of a roof, and the bad guy is like, from this fall, from this high up, the fall wouldn't kill me. And Batman says, I'm counting on it, and he drops him. And of course, the guy doesn't die, but he's crippled for life because it will, you're still landing on your legs. The impact is colliding with your feet, and that's on actual concrete. Water, the reason that the surface um, acts like concrete is because something to do. <laughs> Quentin is a scientist and he did like a whole 10 minute segment on it in the episode. So he probably said this better than I do. Um, but I believe it was at uh, it was at eight stories. It started to it started to be like the kind of concrete that could cause real physical damage to like your feet your ankles, your, your joints and ligaments, your bones, things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Still terrifying. <laughs> it gave me flashbacks to a movie I just saw recently, um, Uncharted. And they're like, it, it's based off of a video game, apparently. Nice. I was watching it with my husband, and they're falling out of this plane, and they grab onto like this giant storage bin, and then they hit the ocean, and I'm like, they're dead. They <laughs> literally just died. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, I mean it's one of those things, too, where I feel like movies and TV shows make it look like you always die if you jump in water from anything higher than, like, 10 feet. Yeah, that's true. So I true. think it kind of distorts our understanding a little bit. Because I, when I first read this, I was like, is anybody going to explain this to me? Like, is this, like, suspension of disbelief? Or does gravity work differently on the moon even though they're in a dome? Like, what's happening? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, so maybe it, it was a softer fall. because there's. I want to know where they gravity. got this lake from. Uh, yeah. This I was like, because we'll it's. Talk about it in this. Yeah. We might as well just talk about it now. This lake is massive. Absolutely massive. And it has waves. Where, how did they get this much water to the moon? Has it just been recycling for the last like hundred years? Because they haven't like talked to the moon in a really long time like they shut down resource trading with the moon like 60 years ago so have they just been like recycling the water this whole time like i guess it wouldn't evaporate but whatever also how does the water have waves are they like generating artificial wind to create a current or they can generate it underneath as well so it doesn't stay stale because i was like i don't know if the moon has ice uh which I actually am trying to Google right now because I'm like, I know, I know Mars does. Right. Cause like all, even also it's a man-made lake on the moon. Right. Mm-hmm. But it still has a, a like life and mud and it's like, but it's not invested in soil. So like, where is this, where's the plants where and uh, fishes I, and stuff coming from? I don't know. I, I, I got to tell you, like, when you're, like, when they're recycling all that water, I'm like, that's a lot of pee to recycle into that lake. And then I'm like, great, she fell into a pee lake. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Those are and dead bodies. Yeah, great. All, all your favorite bowl. things that you want to fall into. <laughs> I do think it's, like, very cinematic. I would love to see, like, the imagery of this, of the actual, as much as I love the fan art, I'm not trying to say that the fan art isn't good. I mean, I would love to see, like, the actual visual of her dipping into the water, the water dispersing around her, her drastically trying to get to the top of the surface, her leg pulling her down. Like, I want to visually see this entire scene. 
So the movie mm-hmm. can come out whenever y'all are ready. World, please. So there mm-hmm. is ice on the moon in the okay. crater. So um, not a lot. And I can't remember how technical, like if they, you could technically harvest ice from like comets and like asteroids, but that would require like getting out to the asteroid belt. But yeah, I mean, but Mars. The water, would, it, would it replenish? Um, I mean, if we're thinking about other sci-fi books and thinking about how they have biomes and stuff and did terraforming. Then probably, yeah. I would say, I'm sure. I mean, because if you think about it, too, you think about Winter's um, Garden and Menagerie. I mean, yeah, whole, you know, full of... All these animals. And I'm like, did they really go through this much trouble to bring that to the moon? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, has all the, the plants and everything, too. It's like in flowers. Yeah. So. Very impressive, these people in the future. <laughs> yeah. Let's see how if we get there. I was actually just talking to someone the other day and uh, we were talking about how like all these movies and TV shows and books talk about like future inventions like floating cars and I was like you know as cool as all that stuff is my first question would be like where are we at on healthcare? Right. Like have we solved world (laughs) hunger? Like it's cool that we have floating cars and we can live on the moon but like what about all of the other problems? <laughs> There's so much more. Like, we need to our technology is advanced, so that's great. But has our society advanced? Well, if you think about Star Trek, and they had basically the perfect utopia where they didn't need money. Um, they could replicate food or any kind of clothes that you needed. You know, ideally, they did their best to never do harm um, and only use their weapons for stun. So... I would love to imagine a world of Star Trek. I would be fine with that. I might have said Star Wars the first time. I did not mean Star Wars because Star Wars is more like... Space Cowboys? <laughs> uh, dystopia versus Utopia. <laughs> yes. I think Star Wars is a very Star long Wars family like drama. Space Cowboys and Star Trek is like Space Police. Yes. They're like I mean, actual... It's like an actual exploration military unit where star wars is just like space cowboy yep smugglers sure sounds great exactly i love it all anyways moving on <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about her drowning i absolutely love the drowning scene not that like drowning is for you guys that's <laughs> i was like that's <laughs> not the, like, interesting i Ooh. like the imagery i like the detail i like the explanation of what it feels like i don't know what it feels like but i believe it that she was drowning and this is what she felt like Mm -hmm. i think for me the biggest things was just how the water was affecting her core um circuitry and everything Mm -hmm. like i mean i remember first reading this chapter and thinking oh this is bad Ooh, electronics and and water don't go together i'm like is there any fail safes in there what's gonna happen i remember just kind of like having a moment of oh no we need to put her on rice (laughs) that's all i could think about i love it how exactly does she take showers i mean i guess she's not submerged in a shower i mean you can have like water resistant and i don't so yeah uh um kai touched on that in his chapter and i would say the um equivalent would be the fact that you can like 
you know, your iPhone can go underwater to a certain extent. It can handle like a certain amount of water exposure. You can wear your Apple watch in the pool while you're swimming. Like, so I think that there's a difference between water exposure and water log. Mm-hmm. No, that makes yeah. sense. That's kind of what I was trying to figure out how to say, too, is, like, you can be water-resistant up to 60 meters, and then... Right. Or you could be waterproof and be a submarine, and I don't think she was built like a submarine. Well, also, (laughs) like, she... Maybe when taking showers, she's cautious. That's true. You know, like, there's a difference between taking a shower and jumping into the water. You're completely submerged. In the shower, you can, like you know, cover your arm with something, cover your leg. Like when you have a cast and you have to cover your arm or your cast while you take your shower so it doesn't get wet, that kind of thing. So it's possible that it's something like that and she has another way of cleaning her bionic parts. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, somebody email me their theory on this. I'm sure you guys are, all of my listeners are geniuses. So somebody email me the theory on this. I'm very curious. Um... So, I want to know how big this lake is. It's big enough that she feels proud of herself when she gets to the very edge of it and she can see, like, how far she went. So, I want to know, and it says it takes up, like, an entire crater. Well, half a crater, which I really want the visual of that art. That sounds cool. So I want to know, like, how big do we think this lake is? Do we think it's, like, the kind of lake you could go boating in all day? Or do we think it's the kind of lake that's, like, maybe a small fishing boat? Or do we think it's the kind of lake that it's, like, "Mm, that's basically a pond, but we'll give it to you guys? Hmm. Right? I always pictured it as, like, Olympic distance swimming kind of thing. Hmm. Okay. Um, so like not really big enough to take boats on, but big enough that if you're going to swim, I mean, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Wow. Okay. Apparently I went like much more different because the way I imagined it, uh, because, you know, we talk about, you know, there's mansions and I, when I think of the extravagant lifestyle of the lunars is that I'm always thinking, Bigger is better, even though it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, kind of like Texas. Bigger is better. Um, So, like, you know, they have these massive mansions. And so, therefore, this lake would have to be massive because it would have huge yachts. Not just boats. Fancy, but yachts. And, you know, I don't know if you... I know Abby just got back from a lake. I can't remember how big those boats are on that lake. But when I think of, like, yachts, I'm thinking of, like, you're going down to Lake of the Ozarks. And, like, there's these massive boats out there and i know three stories high and they have like a kit they have like multiple kitchens and multiple levels and multiple bedrooms Uh uh-huh precisely and and the way i just imagined the society is i just imagine she just fell you know she fell four stories and she's lucky she can get to the shore because she went like any closer to the middle she'd be screwed yeah see and i always picture like yeah, the lunar mansions are big, but I also picture them being like right on top of one another. Mm, because I picture them as kind of like a biodome. townhome situation where they're big, but they're like tall and narrow and they're right next to each other. Yeah, that's kind like of what, how London. I picture it. Yeah, very London mansion kind of thing is what okay. I picture. But only because I'm picturing the fact that like it's a moon, it's a city. We know that there's all these other um, 
domes and uh, um, not districts, what are they called? Sectors. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. like even Artemisia being the big, like the capital city or whatever, I'm thinking it's still going to be relatively small. Um, and so that's, that's the only reason I was thinking of it that way. I would also say, I think the lake is somewhere in the middle of what you guys are talking about, but I also think that it's, you know, lakes often have different shapes. I think this one is a perfect half circle because it fills oh, yeah. a crater. So that gives it like a different, um, kind of size variation because you could go mm -hmm. in a big boat diagonal across and have a pretty, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I, I love like how you guys are like London townhouses. I'm like, I was thinking like Qatar and the Palm Islands. You guys know what that is if I say those? Uh, I know what Qatar is. I think it's Qatar. It might be um, the United um, Arab. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's. Qatar, what is it? So they're called the Palm Islands. So if you look at them, they're man made. You can see them from space. Ooh. Those are beautiful. Holy uh -huh. crap. Right? Okay, so it's it like is... a palm um, tree. Yeah. Okay, so they're called United um, Arab Animates. My bad. But yeah, so I mean, like, I was thinking, like, that level of extravagance and kind of like, you know, like you said, in the crescent shape, in the looter shape and everything, but having, like... Because, I mean, look how big those houses... Like, I don't think they're houses. Well, they might be houses, but... I don't know. Anyway, so just some yeah, fun it's imagery hard, it's for you. Hard to imagine it because this is one of the like amazing things about literature. Like if you're watching a movie or a TV show, then you are given a visual and you're told this is what something looks like. If you are reading, you get to sort of imagine that based on the information you're given. And so you have three different people, three different readers and three different perspectives. Um, and I think that's why it makes adaptation so hard, right? Because how are you going to appease all three different perspectives? But, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I would definitely be interested, listeners, to know, you know, how big do you guys think this lake is? I, I think it's somewhere in the middle of what you guys were talking about. I definitely picture the houses, like, right on top of each other. But I picture, like, London-style townhome mansions where it's, like, three or four stories. And it's kind of narrow that goes up. Because... Um, because the reason London mansions are townhomes is because they have a limited amount of space and they can't go out. So they go up to get more space, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So that's what I was picturing. I love it. Yeah. So the dome is, we're moving on. Um, <laughs> the dome is transparent like a fishbowl and so she can see the edge of where she gets can you imagine how cool that would be like you can literally see the edge of the earth kind of concept uh i don't know if you guys have been following hurricane um ian ian down in florida but this one image my husband just showed me it made me think of this distinctly because this guy has such good waterproofing such good windows you know like you, you know, sliding doors are usually like six foot tallish or taller, like maybe seven foot. And the water was like four foot high against that. So I just imagine like Cinder against that looking out over the gray, desolate desert that is the moon when you don't have it terraformed mm -hmm. and going, huh, huh. well, this sucks <laughs> a little bit, you know, like because you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, but really at water and a glass wall. And on the other side of it is rock. Yeah, yeah, there is rock on the other yeah. side. Yeah. 
100%. So this chapter ends with Thorn. I love it. Thorn just randomly shows up. She's drowning and then Thorn's there and he's like, come on, knock it off. We got to get out of here. Stop slacking off. <laughs> I love Jason and Thorn bickering back and forth. I think it's the perfect comic relief after such a traumatic chapter. Um, were you guys, do you remember the first time you read this? Were you like, oh no. And then you were like, wait, what? How did Thorn randomly rescue her? Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's definitely I one of those where deus deus machina what yeah it's definitely one of those where it's like i have to finish reading i have to read the next chapter if nothing else to understand how the hell this happened yeah right exactly because you're like wait a second this is explain right. this miracle please <laughs> so let's talk about your song choices for this one i actually had to change mine because i realized i picked the wrong ones so <laughs> but i know uh we actually had an idea for a perfect one both of us did and then it turns out we've already used about this book darn yeah and it would have been um perfect and it was head above water by avril lavigne oops yep yep but let's talk about our other choices anyways <laughs> Uh, so I picked A Sky Full of Stars. The version I know is by the Piano Guys, and I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, it's actually by Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, Sky Full of Stars, whatever version you care to have, I guess. Um, well, the version by the Piano Guys, like, it's all um, instrumental, because Piano Guys. Um, but I just had this, like image of her after she's bumped her head on the edge of the dome like floating on her back basically looking up at the stars and like to me it felt like this song would be playing at that point oh i love that so did like, you yeah. pick one or was that for both of you for both of us I, I told abby please do this because i have to do uh, <laughs> graduate work because i'm in grad school had, yes <laughs> so i picked more friends than you know from glee um i love this song so much i think everyone should go listen to it but i think it's important to acknowledge that cinder definitely has more friends than she knows because she thought she was gonna die and then whoop, fairy tale come true our uh, our captain has come in to save us. So um, some of the some of the words that I think are very beautiful for this uh, is you have more friends than you know, some who surround you, some you are destined to meet. This is definitely destiny. The only reason she yeah. exists is because she found out she was a secret princess and went to a ball and then tried to attack the queen and then got arrested and then tried to escape and then it turns out he was in the same cell because he got put in uh, solitary after starting a soap revolution after getting arrested for trying to sell dream dolls. That is like, <laughs> the definition of destiny. Uh, I love it so much. But there, the song is just a very sweet song about um, 
realizing that you have a friendship you didn't know you had when you're feeling alone, when you're feeling abandoned, when you're feeling like you just don't have it in you, you don't have the personal motivation to keep going, you'd still have people you can turn to. And I love that the idea that like Cinder in this moment, especially since Cinder spent her whole life feeling alone and unloved and friendless other than Aiko and Peony. I think this is a really good moment for her to realize like how many people genuinely care about her and her well-being. Mm-hmm. As you had to mention um, Peony and I'm like, oh, I, I like to listen to Cinder during work because it's just like the perfect background working book. Mm-hmm. Every time that chapter comes up, where oh, I bawl my eyes out. I have sisters. I can't handle it. every time. I don't even have siblings, but every time that I'm just like, I'm like, oh my god, why, why do I pick this book to listen to? Because it's so good. It's just so good. So anyway. let's talk about your chapter quote for this one. Okay. Um, I just love as he's pulling his drowned friend out of a lake. He is berating her and saying, stop slacking off, will you? Like, it's such a thorn thing to say. <laughs> it is. It's always a thorn thing to say. <laughs> it's just like, it's one of those, yeah, I would have been worried if he'd said anything else, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, but it's so great because he didn't, yeah, you're right, though. He didn't say anything else. He wasn't like, oh, my God, are you okay? Or... You, you know, you look a little washed out or something like that, <laughs> too, I guess. But yeah, he's just like, come on, you gotta, you're a little heavy, you gotta help me here. <laughs> well, and it's and just like way proof way of their friendship, there. too. Yeah. So I chose a pride in knowing that when they combed the lake, they would find her body way out here and they would know how hard she had fought. Even in the darkest of times, our girl does not quit. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice um, sort of last food for thought. You know, when you when you really think you've hit the end and you can't do anymore, at least you have. At least you can say you tried and you have proof of that. Yep. Yeah. That was actually the other quote that I was thinking of, but I saw that you'd already you know, written it down. So I three quotes every time there's a chapter and then I'm like, oh, how do I narrow it down? This is horrible. (laughs) Hey guys, my name's Abby and I co-host the Book Life podcast with my best friend, Mo. We cover fantasy, sci-fi, and historical fiction books and talk book-related topics like our favorite character types, world building, and books versus their movies. New episodes drop every Monday on your favorite platform. Now, back to your show. So let's talk about chapter 54. We are in Cress's perspective. I love that Cress and Iko are holding each other while they wait for everybody. In this chapter, I forgot we were going to do a summary. Sorry. We are in Cress's perspective. In this chapter, Cress, Iko, and Cinder, Cress, Iko, and Thorne await impatiently as Jason performs CPR to try and revive Cinder. Uh, then they find a place to crash for a couple of days. Uh, Thorne has the only good idea for saving Cinder. Uh, And uh, we end with perhaps the most iconic line in the entire series, Um, or at least the most quotable one. So we're in Cress's perspective. I think Cress is the perfect perspective for this chapter. 
She is an outside person. She's not a part of the original trio. She's she's like a new friend to the group, right? Like, so she's, you know, it's not Aiko where it would be just like a consistent, oh my God, my best friend, memories, things like that. It's not Jason who doesn't really care. It's not Thorne who doesn't really take things seriously. It's not Cinder who's unconscious. It's Cress who has spent her whole life thinking that drama is the only way to enjoy life and is now seeing that drama up close and personal firsthand and is just absolutely floored by how genuinely terrifying it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I actually love the description of the CPR um, from Cress's point of view because she's right in any TV show you see, like they're not actually trying to do CPR on the actors uh-huh. because it, it breaks ribs. It breaks you crack ribs in that all the time. Mm-hmm. You can crack a rib. Yeah. So like it, it's a violent thing because they're trying to save a life. So it's it's not you what it shows and shows. Through the ribs to the heart. I mean that's a that's that takes physical force. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. I really liked that description. I thought it was very cool, the connection that Crest made between, hey, this is reality. It's not at all like what I saw on TV. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like that point, too. I kind of hate to say, like, um, like Crest's innocent bubble just pops at that point where everything yeah, suddenly becomes, like, real, and she's like, I, not I, Kansas anymore. Yeah, it's just at that moment, that aha moment that, oh my god, like, this is like a big actual deal. I don't know. I definitely have had a few of those. Mm, I would say giving birth to children is one of those, oh, moments where you're like, wow, this is nothing like I anticipated. Um, <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of that really equates to, uh, this is not like what you've seen on TV. <laughs> kind of sh- sh- dang, you know. Yeah, my husband's a nurse, and um, I mean, obviously, he comes home and tells me about his day, and sometimes he gets on a roll and, like, goes into more detail than I, as a non-horror person, am not comfortable with. <laughs> and so I've gotten rundowns of, like, how different procedures actually work, and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> that's... That's a lot more than I ever wanted to know about that. <laughs> I've been in a couple of situations, not to this extent, right? But where someone was hurt and I had to be the person to like step up and take care of them. And I will say from that perspective, it is all a complete blur of instinct and training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'd think it would be like overwhelming. You'd think you would be scared, but like you just don't have time for any of that. When you are the person, when you're Jason, you don't have time to think about the situation at all. Your job is CPR and save a life. And so that's literally all you're thinking of. Um, and so that probably would have been the only reason this, in Jason's perspective, could have been interesting. I think, honestly, I do think, I think. Marissa made the right decision in putting this chapter in Cress's perspective for that reason. But I think if we were in Jason's perspective, for example, it would be very clinical. Clinical. Yes. Perfect word for it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, so I am CPR trained. I've had to use it a few times. Let me tell you, 
they do a really good job training you where you're just sitting there and you're just in instinct, you know. Check for the area. Make sure something's going to hurt anyone. Assign someone to call 911. Take care of the person. Like, you just are drilled in those steps. I've had to do it because I taught preschool. I've had to do it with children. And funny story. Well, not funny story, haha. <laughs> but, like, something that, like, I think every parent should know. When something goes up one nostril, air is a very powerful tool. Okay? It is. And it sounds weird. You know, I like I like your confidence on that, but I can tell you sometimes it doesn't. I've had, <laughs> I've had three out of three. Uh, I had a zero out of one. We had to go oh, in. Oh, no. With... <laughs> I know. Was it? Uh, it was Mara. She decided that she got a little tiny acorn and shoved it up her nose. And she kept oh. telling me her nose was itchy. And I'm like, why is your nose itchy? Do you need to blow it? And she's like, yeah and i'm like okay well blow it and she's like it's still itchy i'm like why there's an acorn and i'm like how is there an acorn up your nose my child and then i like got my flashlight i'm like nate there's a freaking acorn up this child's nose i did i tried to plug a nostril and or um hold her mouth closed and like blow through the other nostril to get it out you know yeah um there was it it didn't there um Air. It, it didn't make a, a complete um, seal. So the so air got through it. It was like size and shape then. I yeah, guess. it was, yes, it was size and shape issues. So I had to go in with some tweezers and uh, get that little thing out. Just making me glad I don't have kids to worry about, girl. Let me tell um, you, it was something <laughs> I did not expect to have to do. Well, what's funny is we know that Jason wanted to be a doctor. So that's partly why we assume he knows how to do CPR. Um, but what's funny is Thorne is like, I, I think I kind of remember how to do this. And it's like, I feel like Thorne probably, I feel, okay, here's my thing. Thorne is probably the more likely person who would actually have to perform CPR if he were still in the military. And I guarantee you, he didn't pay attention enough to actually save someone's life. Hmm. Whereas Jason being a guard probably doesn't have a lot of opportunities to perform CPR, but because he was actually interested, he probably is very good at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So moving no. on, we have this incredible, beautiful scene of Aiko and Cinder being reunited. I'm always a slucker for that dynamic duo. Because the last time we saw them, Cinder thought Aiko was dead. And now Aiko's alive. And this is actually the second time this has happened because um, when Audrey destroyed Aiko's mm. first body, Cinder was terrified that she was dead. But as it turns out, the personality chip was saved. Man. I love Iko. I love yeah. I was going to say, I have a tender spot for robots that have personalities. And I know you do too, Abby. Uh -huh. I, was, I was literally just going to say that. I knew you were. <laughs> Sorry. I was. I got there before you. <laughs> I was just thinking. What's I was funny like, is we can all thank Marissa's editor because originally Marissa had Audrey dismantle Aiko in the first book and she never came back. Marissa's <gasps> editor was like, no, you have to bring her back. She's too good of a character. And so she ended up getting this incredible arc and becoming a huge character and even getting two new bodies because she was a spaceship and then now she also has this body. Um, so I just, we can all thank, uh, I think her editor's name is Liz. So thank you, Liz. Uh, yeah. Editor, <laughs> favorite person now. 
Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> no, like lovable robots, totally about it. I love yes, it. I can totally also it. one of those things, like I constantly forget that she's an android. I have to constantly be reminded like, oh, right. She is android, not human. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not weird. Awesome. <laughs> so Cinder is um, saved. She comes back. She and Iko have a reunited moment. They all decide they need sanctuary medicine and food. Thorn takes off his shirt to wring out the water, and Cress is like, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare. <laughs> and again, it's like this cute, sweet moment to break up all the tension that we've been having. Same with Iko and Cinder being reunited. Like, you know, we have that. We have Iko and Cinder being reunited. We have Thorn making all kinds of jokes. I think it adds, like, the perfect sense of lightheartedness that we need to do to deal with this situation. Well, and I mean, this is another, I feel like where Cress departs from like her dramas to real life is like, mm-hmm. oh, she's like, wait, wait. Yes, I need to look at that. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So I love Jason's line about like, I thought you were supposed to be tough. Why can't you walk? Why do we have to carry you? As soon as her leg isn't working. She is tough. Don't, don't don't discount our girl. Don't underestimate her. Come on. It's like, listen, if you are part robot and your leg gets soaked in some water, it's going to be kind of hard to get those circuits re-going again for a hot exactly. second. So our friends find an empty house. Thorn picks the lock because, of course, the criminal mastermind knows how to do something as basic as pick a lock, right? Mm-hmm. Um I love that as soon as they get inside, uh, it's like, okay, don't touch anything. And I goes like, I want to go look at the clothes. <laughs> I want to go like check and see if anybody's got anything in my size that's like super cute. I feel like I would do that with their books. I would be like, I want to go see what books they have. Oh, see, whenever I'm notorious for getting like to my friend's houses, once you know them well enough and you know, family, I just kind of peruse, you know, their pantry and their drink selection and <laughs> kind of help myself to a snack and maybe a cup of water, make myself comfy, you know. <laughs> I kind of love that idea that you're just like, hey, what's up, guys? And you immediately go to the kitchen, like, all right, all right, all right, all right, ooh, pop, okay, pop, all right, ooh, popcorn. And cereal and ice cream. And then you just like go to the couch with all your junk food. I love that idea. Uh, let me tell you, it's very effective when you're going to your parents' house and you're like, because you're like, oh, should I eat before I go? Like, no, they'll have food. It'll be fine. Yeah, you never eat before you go home. No. <laughs> never. I would never miss an opportunity for my stepmom to tell me that I don't eat enough and have her cook me a huge meal. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, um, my dad watches the twins. Um, twice a week and I was like I have some food requests by the way for dinner I'm like could you make some jambalaya please and he's like well I already plan on making pork steaks and um ham and beans and I'm like well I really would like jambalaya as well at some point <laughs> <laughs> anytime we go to um California and see my aunt Robin I ask for one of two things I either want breakfast burritos or I want tacos mm. which 
super good. Actually, she's just good at everything. She's one of those people, like, anything that comes out of her kitchen, it's delicious. She's like, I took this cumin and this old onion and this questionable meat and made this fabulous meal. And you're like, thank you. How'd you do that? Exactly. Don't ask. <laughs> That's exactly. I have asked before. I'm like, is there a recipe for this? And she's like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want a recipe for your rice. And she's like, um... I don't really have one. I just put stuff in there. And I'm like, well, can you at least tell me the ingredients you put in there? And she's like, oh, that I can do. <laughs> like, she can tell me the ingredients. But like, as far as measurement, she's like, I don't know, just whatever it needs. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I, little bit of this, little bit of that. Taste it a few times. Eh, it tastes okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, there's some things that just get measured with the heart. Oh, that's true. It's not baking, let me tell you. But cooking, yes, can be measured with the heart. Cooking, <laughs> yes, baking, no. No, we cannot. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wonder how much baking soda should go in here. Whatever it says, that's how much, okay? <laughs> no more, no less. You will ruin a good pick, like a good cake by doing that stuff. Yep. Cooking comes from the heart. Baking comes from the head. Nice. Love it. <laughs> so I also want to talk about uh, things that come from the head. Jason's alarm. <laughs> Can we talk about Jason's alarm? He puts a button. This is Jason's alarm. It's like a bowl of beads in front of the door. That way, if it opens, they'll hear it. <laughs> like, that gives you, what, an extra 18 seconds to get out of there? Yeah. I mean, why not put, put a chair in front of A chair. Block, like, block them. Opening this is just going to tell you that they're there. It's not going to do anything to hinder them from getting inside. Like, put stuff in front of the door, and then when you hear a bunch of banging, you'll know you have, like, three to five minutes for them to move everything out of the way. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean... All Jason really needs is time to grab Cinder and run. He doesn't care about Thorin or Kress or Echo. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> He's really need those eight seconds to be alerted. Um, we know he cares about Cress because remember he told Cress that he would protect Winter with his life, and second only to her, he would he would also protect Cress. So he might actually care more about Cress than anybody else in that house. Okay, but like I feel like if the uh, quote unquote alarm went off, <laughs> Jason, <laughs> Jason would probably just like shove Thorn towards the door, like trip him so. You know, they caught Thorn first, grab Cinder, maybe kind of grab like Cress's hand, make her move along. But I feel like Jason is incredibly observant. And I think he picks up on things because of that. So I think Jason would know that Iko doesn't need assistance because she's an android and she's amazing. And mm -hmm. two, I think Jason knows that if something happens, Thorn, Thorn's priority is going to be Cress. That's Instinctively, true. Thorn is going to prioritize Cress, and mm -hmm. Jason knows that. So if something did happen, I don't think Jason would worry about Cress in that way because he would know that like somebody's already protecting her. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Right. Also, Cress like Cinder's the one that can't move. Cress supposedly in this series, Cress weighs like a hundred pounds. Like even I could carry her out of there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're up. I need your arm. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so after they install the alarm system <laughs> they try to figure out well how can we fix cinder and this is where we get the rice in the head scene which i think i get why she did it i get why it's supposed to be funny and a joke i also 
I have experience and it works. Okay. It works. It does. I mean, I haven't done it on my cyborg princess's head, but I have done it on an electronic phone. But you know what? If you do meet that, you know, Android princess, you at least know that you have a way to reboot her. I mean, if she wants to be a willing test subject, we can even try. (laughs) Maybe it's a life or death situation. (laughs) Can you imagine how difficult it would be to get every little grain of rice out of her head, though? Um, Like, that might not even be worth it. In theory, I feel like they would need, like, at least a pound of rice just to get her head covered. Well, yeah, but then, like, when they pull her out, it's not like pulling an iPhone out of rice because an iPhone's, you know, a pretty oh, regular you can get it. I got When I did it, I got it stuck in um, – they don't have it anymore, but the head jack had a piece of rice in there. I had to, like, get out. It was not oh, There's a lot of shaking and bouncing and hitting and banging. <laughs> You're like, come on, get out of there. Grabbing a toothpick and a needle and, yeah. So um, now I just have visions of Thorn with, like – holding cinder's head between his hands and like shaking it <laughs> smacking it with one arm <laughs> out you come it with your mom. <laughs> oh that could happen i'm okay with that anybody again anybody wants to draw the fan art of that i will share it um <laughs> so what it turns out though what cinder needs is not rice but a really good mechanic ha <laughs> ha Oh, the irony. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I like this um, perspective of Cress again because Cress realizes that Cinder actually looks sick, like like literally sick. And I'm like, girl, she's like just drowned. Yeah. Like, of course she's going to look sick. But I think Cress has sort of, um, like we talked about earlier with all the net dramas and stuff, I think she's gotten adapted to seeing what sickness looks like on a television concept as opposed to on an actual person. Oh, for sure. And I think the actual person, it's its like with the CPR, like when she's confronted with it, it's actually more, uh, it's scarier than what she would have thought. The realness of it. Yeah. Yeah. So our chapter ends with everyone needs to just take a rest. We're going to fall asleep. Um, And Cinder says she feels completely broken. And we have what I think is the most quotable line in the entire series, which is broken isn't the same as unfixable. Mm -hmm. That's such a good line. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know, right? I'm actually going to Google it. Quotes from the Lunar Chronicles. I want to see what pops up first. Maybe the princess could save herself. Oh, all right. Maybe it's not the most quotable. It's like fifth on the list. I mean, that's that's still, it's like the most quotable from this book. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So it's that maybe the princess could save herself is number one. Uh, You said that the people of Luna need a revolutionary. So I'm going to Luna to be a revolutionary. They all lived happily to the end of their days. And the number fourth is she would be brave. She would be heroic. She would make her own destiny. And then we have broken isn't the same as unfixable. And then we have a bunch of others. Hmm. But that is the end of this chapter. Let's talk about your song title for this one. So I picked Back from the Dead by Skillet. 
Um, I just thought it was very appropriate because she was basically, you know, pulled back from the brink of death from drowning. Um, and I feel like it kind of ties into that last line about broken isn't unfixable because some of the lyrics are, we are young, we're strong, we will rise because I'm back from the dead tonight. Um, so it's just got that whole hopeful, we're still here, we're still trying, we're still going, we're not going to be kept down. Love it. So I went another friendship route. I chose That's What Friends Are For by Dion Warwick, written by Elton John. Yeah. Come on. We all love Elton John, right? He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this song. It's such a sweet song. It's, it's you know, back to like the one I chose before where it's about friendship and being there for one another. But I love that what we have in this scene is not just like Cinder seeing her level of friendship that she has from everyone but what they have for each other, right? Because they're so comfortable around each other. They're so confident around each other. And they're all sort of coming together to um, decide like what the best course of action is moving forward. Now that might be putting rice in somebody's head, um, <laughs> which seems like a, a silly thing to, to break up the tension, but it is actually a valid suggestion. Um, and it's a suggestion that I think harkens back to them being close friends because uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that like, you feel like it's stupid, but you also feel like it's right. And you might not want to say it in front of everybody. But like with your friends, you can say all the kinds of stupid stuff. I say stupid stuff in front of my friends and I'm not going to say it in front of other people. It's just not happening. I have too much embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, that's good though. Yeah. So Patreon members will get to vote for which chapter song which song wins the chapter title? Let's talk about your chapter quote. Um, the iconic, we're not pouring rice in my headline. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, Why not, it'll work. <laughs> that is the line from this book that I always remember. Like even more so than broken isn't the same as unfixable. Like that is just the line that you bring up winter. I'm immediately thinking of that scene. Hmm. I love it. I love that that's like your first thought is like rice in somebody's head. I like that visual. I mean, it's just, well, and I have the audiobooks and I love re-listening to them. And the way that the narrator says that line is just, mm, it's perfect. Rebecca Solaire, if I haven't said it a million times already, <laughs> Rebecca Solaire is like one of the greatest narrators of all time. <laughs> She's so good. She made that series wonderful. It didn't take them long to find a kitchen that was bigger than Cress's satellite. Cress and Iko maneuvered Cinder onto a stool and helped her prop up her leg while Jason rummaged through the pantry, emerging with an assortment of nuts and fruits. What do you think is wrong with you? Iko asked. Cinder smacked her palm against the side of her head, like she hoped to jog something back into place. It's not a power issue, she said. My eyes are working at least. It's something in the connection between the brain-machine interface and my prostheses. It affected both my hand and leg at the same time, so it must be a primary connection. My control panel could have gotten waterlogged or something. Could be a few dead wires, she sighed. I guess I should feel lucky. If my power cell had died, I'd be dead with it. They mulled over this for a moment, picking at the food. Thorne glanced back at the pantry. Did you see any rice in there? Maybe we could fill Cinder's head with it. 
Everyone stared at him. You know, to absorb the moisture or something. Isn't that a thing? We're not pouring rice in my head. But I'm pretty sure I remember someone putting a port screen in a bag of rice once after they put it through a clothes washer and... Thorn! Just trying to be helpful. What do you need to fix it? Asked Cress, then hunched down between her shoulders as all eyes turned toward her. Cinder frowned, and Cress could see her working through different possibilities. Then, she started to laugh, dragging her good hand through her tangled, still damp hair. A mechanic, she said. A really good one. I so, Mike, what we already talked about, it was the iconic, broken isn't the same as unfixable. I guess it's not as iconic as I thought it was. It's <laughs> ruining that goal of Goodreads, but I still think it's a pretty big one. Whoops. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. <laughs> so this week, the bonus word hair appeared once and the bonus word captain appeared, or no, the bonus word hair appeared three times and the bonus word captain appeared once. Uh, next time we are switching. Uh, oh, what, how are words? We are switching. We're switching things up, I guess. Normally, we do two chapters per episode, maybe one. From here on out, we will be doing three chapters per episode. This is because the way that the chapters are written is, like, it's a whole scene in three chapters. And I don't want to break up one scene just to start a new scene in a different episode. So if it's one scene, it's going to be one episode, no matter how many chapters it is. So moving forward, there might be three per episode. There might be four or five. I... I don't know. You'll have to follow the schedule. I, I wrote it out. I've typed it up and put it on the website. So next week, next week, next time, we're going to cover chapters 55, 56, and 57. Yeah. My friends, where can people find you on your podcast online if they would like to do so? Well, anywhere and everywhere podcasts can be found. We are on... We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, all the good things. And we primarily play on our Instagram, uh, sometimes on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I do also have a TikTok where I occasionally talk about the podcast. So, yes, not me. I, I'm not a good TikToker. I've done one TikTok book review and I was like, yeah, that's a lot more effort than I want to exert. So, I, I like But to- also my husband is in the military and he's like super paranoid about tiktok so i'm like okay that's fair (laughs) but you can also find at least me on you know the prince kai um podcast patreon i am there (laughs) (laughs) can't help it it's a a fun place to be (laughs) i like to think it's a good patreon i try try my best to make it as fun and interactive as possible if nothing else, it's it's at this point it's not even like a Patreon. It's more like a um, uh, just like a community. It is. It's a really nice community full of really nice people and great people. Listeners, be sure to check out uh, our friends at the Book Life Podcast and check out Prince Guy Fan Pod everywhere online. And of course, rate, review, and subscribe, and check out the Patreon. Also, please take a look at uh, Instagram and the website for uh, a new party. By the time this comes out, I think I will have already posted it, but I'm going to host a Gilded release party for the sequel, uh, Cursed, as I do with every numerous book. This will be a virtual party, but this time it's not just for Patreon. It's open to everybody. It's free. I am going to have like a fun raffle with a ton of prizes, including some Marissa books and signings and merch and some exclusive fairy loot merch too. So you can go to the Instagram or the Patreon or the 
you can go to the Guy <laughs> Fan Patreon Instagram or website for more information on that, or you can email me at princeguyfanpod at gmail.com. And that's it for today, folks. Thank you both so much for being here. Love getting to talk to you. All right. Well, thank you for having us. It was, as always, a delight. Oh, yeah, you. we love being on this. Come back anytime. Or if you ever need a guest. Especially if you ever finally do Vampire Academy. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> we will reserve that. Your, your name is number one for that, for sure. Yes, I expect it to be. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Keep reading, keep listening, and until next time, don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The chapters discussed today are from Winter by Marissa Meyer, and the audio clips were from Rebecca Soler's performance of Winter, a Macmillan audiobook production. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger, and today's special guests were Mo and Abby from the Book Life Podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, and the logo art is created by Sunlit Tangles on Instagram. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.